So we've been doing a series uh, that we started last semester uh, that we're continuing on into uh, the first part of this semester, a series on uh, the parables of Jesus. So each week we're taking a different parable uh, of Jesus and breaking it down, understanding what the parables are. The parables were simple stories, simple illustrations that packed uh, a rich spiritual truth inside of them. Uh, Jesus would communicate with these parables. In fact, the scriptures tell us uh, that every time Jesus taught, he used some kind of parable, some kind of story, some kind of uh, analogy to, to help communicate, to help people understand um, the, the, these concept, uh, these abstract concepts, abstract spiritual ideas. He, he put it into a story, like a story about a, a farmer who rented out some land and had some tenants come and uh, watch the land. And, and he, he, he would use these simple stories to communicate these abstract spiritual truths uh, in a way to help us understand. Um, and so, so we spent all of last semester. Uh, looking at those different parables. And we're going to wrap up uh, the series on the parables next week. Uh, will be the conclusion. We'll talk about the parable of the talents. Uh, and it'll be kind of the, the big conclusion of that series. In February, we start a new series um, where we're going to be uh, taking a challenge together as a Chi Alpha group. If you guys aren't familiar uh, with this book, the Live Dead Journal. Um, the Live Dead Journal is a 30-day uh, journal. Each each of the entries, each, each of the entries is written by a different missionary, um, and the focus of the Live Dead Journal is a challenge to challenge you to encourage you uh, to live a life where you're dead to yourself, dead to your own desires. Um, and Jesus, Jesus encourages those that would come and follow after Him. Uh, I mean, the, the the bid to come follow Jesus is a bid to come and die. Come and die to yourself so you can experience and the new life that God has for you, the fullness of life that God has for you, dying to your own and rights, wants, desires, uh, so you can, God, God can use you. Um, and Jesus used the analogy, unless a kernel of, the, of wheat falls to the ground and dies, and it's not any good. But man, if it falls to the ground and dies, it can bear much fruit. Uh, so the Live Dead Journal, each, each day is written by a different missionary who talks about, man, what it means to, to truly uh, live dead and, and, and be truly alive in Christ. Um, also at the end of each, each uh, day's journal entry um, is, is some prayer outlined to pray for a different unreached people group somewhere in the world. Uh, it's a powerful journey, journal. Jackie and I have been through it. A couple of other, other of you guys have, have been through it. Um, life-changing stuff. And I thought it would be really awesome for us to all go through it together throughout the month of February and like one day into March because there's 29 days uh, in February this year. Um, so, so we're going to start that February 1st. So I've got 25 of these books, uh, and I'm going to have them next week. Uh, and, and so the cost is normally normally fifteen fourteen ninety nine, uh, but I'm going to give it to you for five dollars. Okay, so if you can if you can come up with five dollars, I'll give you one of these books next week. And then starting February first, we're going to go through this journal together each day. Uh, we'll be talking around the life groups. Hey, God's teaching me this in life group. God's teaching me that uh, in the Live Dead Journal. And then when we come together on Thursday nights in the month of February, uh, we're going to be hitting on some of these key issues, um, and we're going to bring in uh, one of the one of our Live Dead missionaries to to speak to us also in February. So that'll be really exciting too. Okay, so five dollars. Uh, as with any Chi Alpha anything, if you can't come up with $5, I, mean, I still want you to do the Live Dead Challenge. Right? So still come and talk to me. I'll figure out a way to get you a book. Uh, there's also an e-reader version. Also, if you are e-readers and Kindlers and tableters, and, and uh, Jackie can help you with that. But that that's the Live Dead. That's what we're going to be doing in the month of February. Um, but, but we're wrapping up uh, our, our series called Let Me Tell You a Story. Uh, wrap, wrapping that up next week and then, and of course, uh, uh, continuing on with that this week. So let me tell you a story. I want to tell you guys a story. Uh, some of you guys know this, some of you guys don't. Before I, I got full-time into campus ministry, I worked for the bank. I worked for First Tennessee Bank uh, in account servicing. I helped people with their accounts, with their 
checking accounts, savings accounts, loans and credit cards and mortgages and online banking, any kind of problems they had, uh, man, they could come to me, they could call me, uh, I'd help, help them work through it. Um, and it's not, not the most fun job in the world. Regularly get yelled at, regularly have people upset with you, because nobody calls the bank if everything's going fine with their account, right? Right? If you've got, if you've got just piles of money to swim in um, and, and, and you're debt free, you don't have any reason to ever call the bank, right? You just leave them alone. You only call the bank if there's a problem, right? So that, that's what I would get. I get a lot of those kind of calls. I get people upset, cussing at me, their account's overdrawn, or, or they're, get, they're getting all these collection notices because they've not like paid their mortgage in six months, uh, stuff like that. And they come and yell at me, right? Um, and that's okay. That was, that was a job. I understand that. There was one, one time in particular, an old lady. I, I, I get cussed at all day long, so I was a little bit used to that. What really threw me off was a really old lady calling me up and cussing me out. And I'm like, come on, lady. Like, I don't know. She, she was throwing me off, and she was really upset because she had all these charges on her account that she didn't recognize. So we are going through them one-on-one, and, um, and, and she was really upset, really upset, uh, you know, that, that all these would be on there. And, and, and of course, since I'm like the front lines, uh, you know, she, she's taking it out on me. Um, and then she kind of starts to put two and two together. She's realizing it's her grandson that, that's racking up these charges. And that's sad. I mean, that's a sad situation, a grandson taking advantage of their grandma. And, um, but but kind of as she started to realize that, uh, you know, she, her tone changed a little bit. She was less, you know, mad at me. Um, and I was saying, you know, you, you can get these charges off your account, but it, you know, to, it would mean you have to kind of, kind of, kind of t- press charges or whatever and, and, and bring that, um, have any kind of legal recourse to have, have this removed. She said, no, I'm not going to do that. It's my grandson. And you can tell she, she was getting kind of sad. Um, and eventually she 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 okay I'll I'll take care of it on my own, um, but but man man she 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 was hot she was angry, uh, you know as I'm as I'm giving her this, this bad news hey you've got this charge on your account this charge on your account all this money you thought you had is gone right, um, and and so so she was really upset with me, um, and and you guys man that, that that's what we tend to do we tend to to shoot the messenger you know the the person who delivers us bad news and they're just the person delivering it right it's not it's not their it's not their fault. You know, they're, they're not responsible. But, man, if, that, if that's the person on the front lines, man, better believe we're going to let them hear it, right? We're going to let them have it, uh, for better or worse. So we may come back later. Oh, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. Um, but, man, that's why we have that, that kind of saying, right, in our culture. Don't shoot the messenger. Don't shoot the messenger. That constant reminder that I'm the one telling you the news, but it's not my fault, right? So please don't bite my head off. Um, Bruce Harbour, right, who's the director of uh, public safety, who you guys are all in love with tonight because he canceled school tomorrow. Um, but, but I've seen it the other way. I've seen it where Bruce makes the call, you know what, the roads aren't that bad. We can go ahead and have school. And people, ah, hanging on Bruce. It's not Bruce's fault. Bruce is the messenger, right? He's doing his job. He says the roads look safe. He's reporting to you guys the roads are safe, school's open. Um, but, man, I've seen him get all kinds of hate just for trying to, like, say school's open and you guys, the school that you pay to go to, you know, you can go and, and get lectures and, and learn and stuff. So, uh, yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it go. I've seen, man, my kids, my kids are good at shooting the messenger. Like, if I tell them, uh, hey, you know, we can't, we got we to go home. You know, they've been playing at the park for hours, but and it's time, time to go home. we got to go home, take a bath, or go home, dinner's ready. Uh, and they don't want to leave the playground. Um, it's not, you know, it's not my fault. I'm just the one telling you the news. We've got to leave now. And, and, uh, and so, so I'll go, no, Dad, no, throw a fit. Uh, yell at me. Uh, you know, shoot, shoot the messenger. That's what we do. Um, so, so, so thinking on, thinking on the, the passage of Scripture uh, that the, the, the Aiden read a second ago, um, Jesus tells this story. Jesus tells tells the story of of uh, a farmer who has to go away for a while, and he rents out his land to some tenant farmers who are gonna who are gonna watch it for him, tend the land for him while he's gone. Um, and then and then so he sends a messenger saying, "Hey, 
uh, I'd like to receive you know, my share of the crops. So you've been working my land. I want to receive my share of the harvest, my share of the crops. And what do the people do? They, they shoot the messenger. And they reject the messenger. Uh, they beat up the messenger. They kill the messengers. Um, and something I want you guys to begin to think about tonight is, man, how do you react when someone tells you something that you don't want to hear? Um, how do you react, especially to, to spiritual things people speak into your life? Um, the, uh, the messengers that maybe God has sent your way at different times throughout your life, if you look back, uh, that, that may have been trying to encourage you towards God or maybe warn you of a sin or trying to correct you, how did you respond to them? Right? Do we respond to correction well? Do we like being told we're doing wrong? No, everybody hates that. Nobody loves that. Um, the Proverbs tells us, man, if we're, if we're wise, we're going to come to a place where we love correction. Because we realize that's God loving us. That's God disciplining those he loves, helping us to grow and mature into who he wants us to be. Um, but, man, in the moment, none of us like getting corrected, right? We get, we get hot, we get angry, um, and, and, and we tend to do the same thing. We shoot the messenger. So, uh, man, we've got, when you've got people that are, that are God's messengers into your life, uh, man, do you accept that word gladly uh, or do you shoot the messenger? Um, so we, we've been going through this series on, on, the, on the parables of Jesus, uh, and, and, and this one in particular, let me give you a little bit of context, why he's telling this parable. Uh, he, he'd been addressing, he's addressing the religious leaders there in Israel. He's in a situation where he's in a, a bit of a confrontation with the religious leaders um, there, there in the area. They're asking him, by whose authority are you doing all these things, Jesus? By whose authority are you saying all these things, uh, Jesus, they're 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 man, they're they're feeling like Jesus has claims it at being God and being the Son of God. These miracles he's working and claiming to be one with God to them that is blasphemy, and and they're they're, they're wanting him to say by whose authority uh, he he thinks he can do these things and um and and, and so man he, he he tells them this parable and and another one before it to kind of reveal their hearts um, that they're not being really really sensitive to the Lord. They're not uh, they're not seeing how, how how God's working through them. They're missing out on the plan of God um, because because they've got their own ideas of, of what those things should look like. Um, you know, so if you've got your Bible, or if not, the words are all up there. It's Matthew chapter 21, verse 33 through 46. It's the parable uh, of the tenants. Um, and, and so so you've got these religious leaders surrounding Jesus, asking him, uh, you know, questioning his authority. And in order to reveal uh, the hearts of the people, and in, in order to reveal their hearts, he tells them the story uh, about the landowner and the tenants who he entrusts his land to. So in verse 33, Jesus says, I'm going to tell you another story. And he says, A certain landowner planted a vineyard, built a wall around it, dug a pit for pressing the grape juice, and built a lookout tower. And then he leased the vineyard to tenant farmers, who, and then he moved to another country. And at the time of the grape harvest, he sent his servants to collect his share of the crop. So in this story, uh, it's important to identify, okay, well, what represents what? So it's a story about a farmer, and it's a story about some land and some tenant farmers and some servants. But who, who's represented here in the different characters, the different parts of this story? So first of all, the landowner is, who do you guys think the landowner is? God. Scott, yeah, the landowner is God. Uh, the, 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 the father, the almighty God, he's represented here in the, the owner of the land, the original farmer. The landowner is God. The vineyard, his land, represents uh, Israel or God's people, you know, the, the, the people that belong to God, which really, uh, I mean, I mean, the whole earth is God's and everything in it, right? So that would be all people, but specifically Israel here um, and, and, and God's people who, who had come, come to follow Jesus in, in later years. Um, the vineyard represents God's people. The tenants are the religious leaders who are charged with leading God's people. 
Um, so, so, so God, man, God, God set up a, a priesthood. You know, priests and, and prophets and leaders and religious leaders, they're supposed to shepherd the people, supposed to teach the people uh, how to obey God, how to live for God, how to, how to be in fellowship with God, how to live, live a pure, holy life that allows them to have intimacy with God. The religious leaders are supposed to be teaching them these things. So, so God says, I'm, I'm going to put you guys in charge like tenant farmers working the land, working the, the vineyard. The vineyard is my people. You're going to be working working on them, you know, help, helping make them acceptable to me, uh, encouraging them to live in a way that pleases me. That, that's how it was supposed to be. The servants are the obedient prophets and the leaders who proclaimed God's word. They exposed wickedness. They exposed idolatry. So, so the religious leaders, man, over, over the centuries, they, they, they would tend towards, uh, instead of leading the people on how to serve the Lord, leading the people into purity and holiness, man, they would lead the people into idolatry. They'd look at neighboring countries and say, man, we really like that idol. We've already got Yahweh, the real God, but man, this fish idol over here, he's pretty cool too. So we're going to incorporate him too. They'd lead the people into, uh, into idolatry, into witchcraft, and all this wickedness. Uh, so then God would send a prophet. He'd send a, a messenger to say, hey, you guys cut it out. What you're doing is wicked and terrible. Um, and, and people don't like being corrected, right? We shoot the messenger, right? So they would they'd cast off these prophets. Oftentimes they'd be, they'd be beat up. They'd be rejected. Um, but but the, the, the obedient prophets who are trying to tell the truth, trying to warn people away from idolatry, away from wickedness, um, the, these are the, the servants, the messengers that the farmer is sending. So what about the harvest? You know, so the messengers are there to collect the farmer's share of the crop, the farmer's share of the harvest. What's represented with the harvest? So God loves people, right? God loves people and he longs to be in relationship with them. Each and every person that God created uh, matters. They're valuable. They're created in his image. They have value, dignity, and worth as image bearers of God. Uh, You may not feel like you have value or worth, but you do. Because God made you, and God loves you, and God wants to be in a relationship with you. So, so the harvest that God wants, the share that God wants to collect, um, is a relationship with the people. Uh, he longs to be in fellowship with them. What he wants to collect are, are their souls. He wants to collect uh, a devotion from the people to him. Uh, he wants to collect devotion and obedience from the people. That's what the religious leaders were supposed to be cultivating. Uh, devotion to God. Obedience to God. People that are following God. So when God comes to collect, okay, where's all these people that are supposed to be devoted to me and following to me? You've got them all following idols. Or, or you've got them all, you know, in their, in their sins. Or, or on the other end of the extreme, the religious leaders would come and add all these rules uh, to, to the law. They, they'd make up their own, their own rules. They'd add, add these legalisms that would make it incredibly difficult for a person to serve the Lord. Because, okay, you've got to follow these laws. We're going to make up 30, 40, 100 other ones that you've got to follow too to be acceptable to God. And they say, man, no one can do that. Uh, so people wouldn't even try, right? So, so, so when, when God comes to collect his share, uh, man, he doesn't find people obedient to him. He doesn't find people devoted to him. Uh, and and he, blames, he blames the religious leaders, the, the, the people that were uh, the tenants, the people that were supposed to be shepherding uh, his flock. All right, verse 35. But the farmers grabbed the servants, they beat one, killed one, and stoned another. So the landowner sent a larger group of his servants to collect for him, but the results were the same. So Jesus is reminding us in this parable because... So everyone's hearing a story about a farmer and some tenants, but everyone knows what Jesus is talking about, right? At the end of the parable, uh, it says that they knew exactly who they were talking about. They realized they were the tenant farmers, right? They, they, knew, they knew what the story was about. And if you look at the Old Testament, man, all throughout those centuries uh, that, that, that are covered there in the, the time of Israel and Judah, um, and 
year after year, God would send different prophets, different, different people to speak for him and warn the people, uh, and they would get treated like this. Um, and Jeremiah, Jeremiah came, came to warn the people, hey, uh, all these people are claiming to speak from God, saying, hey, everything's going to be great, everything's going to be fine, but I'm here to tell you the truth, because of your idolatry and sin and stubbornness, there's coming disaster, right? The, 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 the Babylonians are going to come, and they're going to destroy Jerusalem, and they're going to take us all into slavery, and, and that's the truth. You know, I'm speaking the truth in love. You know, I, I don't want that to be true, but I've got to tell you what God, God, God's told me to say. Um, they say, oh, Jeremiah, you don't know. So, that, so they, man, 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 they cursed him out. They, they beat him up. They threw him in a pit. Uh, and, and they treated him terribly for telling the truth. Uh, John the Baptist. John the Baptist. Uh, if you guys don't mean, he, he, he stood out there in the desert and said, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight paths for the Lord. You guys repent of your sins uh, because the Lord is near. And how did they treat John the Baptist? They arrested him. And they beheaded him. Right? So Jesus says, this is how you treat prophets. God's sending you messengers over and over and over again. And you guys may think back on your own life. God, God's maybe sent messengers into your life, whoever that may be, a, a relative, a family member, a friend that tried to share the truth with you. Um, and maybe it was a pastor or a worker at your church, a neighbor. Um, I mean, how did you react to the people God sent into your life? I, mean, I hope you didn't kill them, right? Because I, mean, I just hope you didn't. Uh, but may, but, but maybe, maybe, maybe in the same way you, you showed, oh, I'm not listening to that. I'm not hearing that. Um, so Jesus reminds them that throughout history, man, this is how we've reacted when people tell us the truth. Um, we've rejected them. We've beaten them. We've killed them. Verse 37. Finally, the owner sent his son, thinking, surely they'll respect my son. Right? They beat up all my messengers. They killed my servants. But if I send my own son, surely they're going to respect my son. Right? And unfolding in here is, is, is the plan of God. The plan of God. Um, that God's plan from the beginning was to send his son. Right? We're told that Jesus Christ was crucified at the foundations of the world. Which What that means is, uh, a little bit simpler, is it was always God's plan to send Jesus to save us. Right? That at just the right time that Jesus would step into human history, uh, that he'd live the perfect life that we couldn't live, and then die the death that we deserve to die, so that God could extend us grace and mercy and forgiveness. That was God's plan all along. But so, so the farmer here says, man, I'm going to send my son. Surely they're not going to reject my son. The same way they rejected my messengers. And of course we know they do. And they will. The son that God sent was, was, was Jesus. God so intensely desired a relationship with us that he sent his own son knowing. Knowing that we'd reject him. Knowing that we'd kill him. Uh, and, and, and Jesus is declaring that prophetically through this parable. He realizes he's going to be rejected. He's going to be killed. Um, and it reveals the hearts of those that are around him. Dropping down to verse 38. When the tenant farmers saw the son coming, they said to one another, Here comes the heir of the estate. Come on, let's kill him. Get the estate for ourselves. They grabbed him, dragged him out into the vineyard, and murdered him. Jesus asks a question in verse 40. When the owner of the vineyard returns, what do you think he's going to do with these farmers? Right? He's, he's asking them a question. What do you think, what do you think God's going to do to the people that killed his son? The people that killed his son. God sent his own son into the world. What do you think he's going to do to the people that, that killed his own son? Verse 41, the religious leaders replied, He'll put the wicked men to a horrible death and lease the vineyard to others who will give him his share of the crop after each harvest. You know, so by their own admission, by their own admission, uh, I mean, the people that are listening to Jesus' teaching say, man, that because of what they've done to the Son, because of their rejection of God's word, and they deserve punishment. By their own admission, man, we've done wrong. You know, we, we've, not, we've not been faithful stewards, God, of what you've entrusted to us. We've done wrong, and we deserve punishment for that. Um, you know, they've been entrusting with shepherding God's people. Uh, instead of leading them towards God, they'd lead, led them into idolatry. They'd imposed extreme legalistic rules that were difficult to follow, impossible for anyone to follow. Um, 
But I mean, God, God in His great love made a way for their execution of His Son and to be something that would be redemptive for all mankind. I mean, what, what the greatest tragedy that's ever happened, greatest tragedy that ever happened, and is Jesus on the cross. If there's ever been a person truly innocent, if there's ever been a person truly, uh, man, undeserving, uh, man, man, of, of what they experienced, it'd be Jesus, Jesus on the cross. Je- Jesus who's perfectly innocent, more than any other person could say, right? Who, who, who was whipped, who was beaten for us, right? Who was crucified, executed for us. Um, God figured out a way to, 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 to turn that around and make it into something that would save us. And, the, and, the, and what, he, what he did in that moment, so as, as Jesus is... Uh, is they're beaten and bloodied and dying. Um, Jesus took all the punishment that we deserved. And you heard the religious leaders say, by their own admission, we deserve punishment. And we, we blew it, we screwed up, we were supposed to follow God and teach others to follow God. We've not taught others and we've not followed God ourselves. Um, but, 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 but man, Jesus reveals the plan of God uh, is to take the punishment that they deserve, that they justly deserve for all they've done wrong. And instead, God's going to lay it on the sun. And the Son's going to take the punishment that they deserve so God can extend them grace and mercy and forgiveness instead. That's the good news of the gospel. That's the good news of Christianity. If you've never heard it quite like that before, that's what it means to be a Christian, to say by faith, God, I've blown it. I know I've blown it. I know I've done wrong. I've offended you. I've hurt other people. I've hurt myself. Um, I, I know I've done wrong and I deserve punishment. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for me. I'm putting my trust completely in what he did. Uh, to, to, to save me, God, so you can forgive me, so you can give me uh, a clean heart, give me a fresh start, uh, and so I can follow you. Um, and and, and that, that's, that's what it means to follow Jesus, to say, I'm not going to trust in my own ability to do right and wrong. I'm going to trust completely on Jesus and what he did on the cross to save me. Uh, and, and when you do that, um, man, you're, you're, you're born again by the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit of God, uh, and God enables you to live for him. Um, and, and so if there's any of you here tonight, maybe that's never, never prayed that, never put your trust in Jesus in that way, uh, now we're going to get a chance to do that. And maybe all, all throughout the meeting tonight, maybe, maybe it was when Chris was sharing his testimony. Uh, maybe, maybe when it was dur- during worship, you know, as, as a worshiping God, maybe since God's presence. Maybe even now you feel Holy Spirit kind of tugging at your heart. Uh, we're going to have a chance to respond in a minute. For maybe you're, you're far away from God and say, man, I need to get, get back there close to God again. Or maybe you've never made that decision uh, to put your trust in Jesus Um, We're going to have a chance to do that uh, here in a second. God in his great love figured out a way that even though they they executed the son, he would use it to save everyone. Verse 42, then Jesus asked them, didn't you ever read the scriptures? And he quotes a a verse from Psalm 118. It's Psalm 118, 22 through 23 that Jesus is quoting here. It says, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing and it is wonderful to see. So here Jesus quotes this psalm, and he's making it clear that, the, that he's the one this, the psalmist is referring to, right? This stone that would be rejected, that then God would take and make the foundation for everything. Jesus is saying, I'm that stone. You know, the sun is that stone that the, the builders rejected. It's the stone uh, that God would use to, to set up the foundation for, for his church, to usher in a new era where people are not made right with God uh, through what they do and don't do or through sacrificing animals. But people are made right with God completely by faith in his son. Completely by faith in the Son, receiving the grace and mercy and forgiveness that God offers when we put our faith in Jesus. Um, and and so, so even though they had rejected Jesus, even though they'd taken Jesus, looked at him as a stone and said, man, this isn't useful for anything, and just de- got rid of it. And God took that stone and said, no, this is the most useful. Right? This is a stone that I'm going to build everything on. Right? All of creation hinges on Jesus. All of creation. Paul tells us in his letters that everything was made by him and through him and in him, and he holds everything together. 
Right? Jesus is the ultimate, the ultimate foundation. Uh, he's the foundation for our life. When we put our trust in him, man, man, our whole life going forward is built on Jesus and trusting in Jesus. We need Jesus' help. Um, and so, so Jesus is saying a new era is going to be ushered in uh, here that, 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 that you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna execute the Son, but God's going to take that and make the Son the foundation for everything. So that's not the end of the story. I mean, it's good news to know that Jesus died for you, right? It's good news to, to know that Jesus took the punishment you deserve so you can be forgiven. But Jesus didn't stay dead. Now, three days later, God rose him from the dead. Um, and, and we know that he appeared to hundreds and hundreds of people uh, during a period of about 40 days after his resurrection. Um, the, the, the main very early sources tell that upwards of 500 people uh, saw Jesus alive after being crucified, executed, and buried. Um, so, so these people, man, put their faith in Jesus uh, as, 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 as both Savior and God. They begin following him, um, and, and, and the church begins to man, man, spread that word to tell people uh, the good news about what, what Jesus has done. So when Jesus promises us uh, man, forgiveness, man, we, we know we can trust him for that because he rose from the dead. When, God, when Jesus promises us uh, eternal life in him, man, we, we, we know that he can make good on that check because he, he's, he's risen from the dead. Um, so what is the, the life application for us? You may say, I am not a Old Testament priest. I'm not a, a religious leader in the temple in Israel. No, you're not any of those things. Um, but when you become a Christian, the, the Bible has some different terminology to refer to you. It refers to you as a, you become a royal priesthood, uh, a nation of priests. So it talks about a nation, you know, you know got the farmer taking over, uh, taking the land and handing it over to a new nation to be obedient to him that would bear fruit. That's you guys, right? The, 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 when we put our faith in Jesus, um, man, man, we're saved, we're made right with God, we enter into a relationship with God, we have eternal life and a home in heaven with God. Uh, but not only that, and we, we, also, we also get the keys to Jesus' office. He says, what my job was is now your job. And I want you to go around and tell people about what I've done. I want you to go around and share the hope that you found in me. Um, that you now are, are, are priests in a way helping people to be reconciled with God. Uh, Paul puts it this way in 2 Corinthians uh, 5.20. He says that, that you're my ambassadors, pleading with people uh, to be reconciled with God. And so everywhere we go, man, when we're, when we're with our, our family, with our classmates, with coworkers, uh, man, we're, we're there representing God in the same way a priest would represent God to the people. We're there representing God, encouraging people, hey, be, make it right with God. Make it right with God. I, I know you've got this sin that you're struggling with. Man, it's worth it, man. Leave that thing behind and make it right with God. Let me tell you what Jesus has done for me. Let me tell you what Jesus can do for you. That's how we should be in the world. Um, so when we apply this parable to our own lives, we need to ask two questions. First, you know, have we put our trust in Jesus as Savior? You know, so the Son has come to us. Have we rejected the Son and say, no, Jesus, I don't need you. I can do this thing on my own, right? Have we accepted Jesus and say, Jesus, yes, I desperately need you. I need you as my Savior. I need you as my Lord. I can't do this life on my own. I need your help. Um, or have we rejected Jesus and we're trying to go at it our own way? Um, and, and again, if you've never, if never accepted Jesus uh, before as your Savior, you know, ask God to forgive you in that way. Begin to live for Jesus and be obedient to Jesus in that way. We're going to pray that in a second. Um, and second, if you already are a believer, say, I've already prayed that prayer, Matt, and I understand I'm supposed to share my faith with people. Um, so what have, you, what have you done with Jesus? Are you like, are you like the, the, the tenants? And, and, and even though, okay, you know, I'm following Jesus, but, but, but really if you were to look at your life, are you rejecting the Word of God, rejecting the teachings of God, just kind of living how you want to live? 
Um, in which case, man, the Holy Spirit would want to use this word to uh, maybe to convict your heart, to help you repent from those sins and say, man, I need to turn away from some stuff. Maybe there's some stuff I got into over the break uh, that's just bad for me and I got to stop. Maybe some stuff I'm messing around with. Nobody maybe knows, but I got to stop. I got to lay that down so I can walk in obedience for Jesus. So that's something to kind of think about and let Holy Spirit search your heart on. Um, God sent his messengers throughout history. Uh, and now he, now he sends us out as messengers as well. You guys are his ambassadors. You guys represent Jesus on this campus, the University of Memphis. You guys represent Jesus uh, in, in your classrooms, in your engineering class, in your nursing class, in your math class, right? You're, you're there representing Jesus to a people that do not know him, do not love him, aren't following him. Um, but, but, but Jesus is going to come back one day to collect that crop, to collect that harvest and say, okay, who, who here belongs to me? Who here is devoted to me? And you that I've put in charge of, of, of tending this field, what do you have to show for it, right? Who, who do you have to show me that, that, that you've been working on, right? And it's not your responsibility to make someone become a Christian. And in fact, you can't. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. But, but have you been faithful to share Jesus with people? Have you been faithful to plant the seeds, to share, hey, l- l- let me tell you about the hope I found in Jesus, or let me share, share what God taught me in the scriptures, um, and if you do your part, man, if, if, if you share your, share your faith in that way, you share, uh, share Jesus in that way, Holy Spirit will work on people's hearts and, and, and lives will be transformed for the glory of God. So God's sending you out as, uh, to be his messengers. What does that mean? What can we learn from the parable about how people treat messengers for God? God's sending you out as his messengers. You're going to be mistreated. You're going to be mistreated. You're going to get yelled at, maybe cussed at, like I got cussed at at the bank. Right? People are going to mistreat you. And Jesus told you as much. He said, uh, you know, whenever the world is hating you, remember, they hated me first. They hated me first. So, so we shouldn't be surprised if we then come and try to... We're, we're happy. We're joyful as can be saying, hey, listen to what Jesus has done in my life. And they're like, I don't care. You suck. Don't tell me that. Right? Oh, man. And, and so when we, we get a little kickback, we should expect that, right? If they beat up and executed... Our, our, our boss, I mean, we shouldn't expect that we're going to get treated with like, like back rubs. Oh, let me take you out for coffee so I can hear all about this. No. Um, there, there's going to be times we're going to be mistreated, right? And, and, and that's okay. We should expect that. Um, and, and really, the Bible says we should count it as an honor. That if we suffer for trying to do right, if we suffer for trying to, to, to warn people away from their sins, if we suffer uh, for, for telling people about how they can be, be saved and made right with God, and that's a joyous thing. That's a thing to rejoice in. Hey, I'm suffering like Jesus suffered. I'm suffering like all these guys in the Bible I'm reading about suffered. And, and, and there, there's a connection with God there that is so rich and so pure. Um, and some, something special there. Um, but yeah, if you're going to serve God, if you're going to be a messenger for God, there's going to be times you'll be mistreated. And that's okay. And in those moments, you've got the Holy Spirit very near to you, very near to help you, to encourage you uh, that, that, that you're not alone in it. And Jesus said, when the world hates you, remember, they hated me as well. They hated me first. There's one last story I wanted to close with. Um, talking about being, being a messenger and our responsibility to be, to be salt, to be light, to bring the gospel, to share Jesus with people around us. Um, Jackie and I had a friend, uh, and, and Joy may have known him as well. He was a missionary. His name was J.R. Um, and J.R. was a, a missionary in, in Africa for years and years and years. Uh, J.R. Gould. Um, when he became older, he moved back to the United States. He took an important uh, leadership position in, in our district. And, um, but I remember J.R. one time came and shared, shared a, a story about one of his missionary journeys in Africa uh, to, to Archive Alpha when I was a student at the University of Tennessee. So this is 
many years ago. Right? We're not going to talk about that. So J.R. was telling the story. He was a missionary in Africa going to re- remote, remote uh, tribes, uh, people that, uh, man, had never heard the gospel before, never heard a presentation of Jesus before, um, had, had no clue, no idea at all. These places that are totally isolated, cut off um, from, from the rest of civilization. But he'd go to these remote places. And I always remember, um, because this story, you know, sometimes you'll hear a story or you hear a word and it just sticks with you, right? The, these words have haunted me for the last... 12, 13, 14 years, ever since I heard him. Um, so J.R. goes to visit this tribe, right? Um, I believe it's the, the Maasai people, a uh, particular tribe of, of, of theirs, and it's up on a hill um, where, 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 where their village is. And so he, he goes up, he goes up uh, on this village and begins to tell people that will listen about Jesus. And he has a translator there, and he's telling them the gospel. He's telling them about Jesus. And, and they're, oh, that's very interesting. And, and they want um, the tribal leader to hear it. Hey, bring, you know, we need to tell the leader of the tribe. Uh, all about this, uh, the, the the elder, the leader um, uh, of the tribe. So they bring him before the leader of the tribe, and he, he begins his presentation again. Let me tell you about Jesus. You know, God, God sent his son Jesus, and, and here's what Jesus did, and then Jesus died on the cross, and uh, God raised him from the dead, and we can we can put our trust in him and be made right with God. He goes through the whole thing uh, his own way. That's my way. He went through it his own way. He's explaining it to the guy, and, and the, um, the leader of the tribe, he, he's very interested. He said, when did all this happen? And Jared said, well, a long time ago. So God, God sent his son to, to the world. When did this happen? He said, about, about 2,000 years ago. And, and the, the leader of the tribe, trying to make sure you heard this. Maybe I heard that wrong. Uh, how, when did this happen? Yeah, about, about 2,000 years ago. Uh, and this was so sobering. Uh, the, the next words out of the leader's mouth, 2,000 years ago. Why have you waited so long to tell us? Why have you waited so long to tell us? I'll never forget those words. Never forget those words. It was chilling to me. Uh, that idea, man, it's been 2,000 years and there's people that haven't heard. Right? Certainly there's people in, in Africa and remote places in the world that haven't heard. Uh, but you got neighbors that haven't heard. you got classmates that haven't heard. And, and just that mandate that rests on us to be his ambassadors, to represent him well. Uh, that we let days go by, weeks go by. Man, I'm going to tell... Next month, next month, I think I'm going to tell my classmate about Jesus, right? Or uh, I'll wait till next Christmas when I see this relative to tell him about Jesus. Um, and I can't think about how many people, you know, when they hear, you know, maybe, maybe not those exact words, but that idea of, man, why, why have you waited so long to tell me, you know? And, and, and man, we may, we may not get a million chances with every person, right? We've got to make the most of, of every opportunity we get, every chance we get uh, to, to, to share Jesus with those around us, to be that light, um, so that's kind of the application uh, for, for you guys, something I want you guys to think about as we're kicking off a new semester. Um, and, and it's something sobering to think about. Well, you got, you know, they gave you a long weekend to think about it, right? You get three days. Um, to say, man, how do you want to approach this semester here at the University of Memphis uh, as a light for Jesus? Um, are you just going to get by, kind of just do, do your work enough to get by and then, and then you know, finish, go for the summer, finish, graduate? Um, are you going to be intentional about your time here? God has you strategically positioned, uh, uh, you know, to, to be able to be a light to those around you, strategically around people that you're not going to see probably the rest of your life, uh, people that may never have any other exposure to the gospel than you. You may be the only Jesus some people ever get a chance to see and be around. Um, so I'm going to pray uh, in a second. I want to really encourage you guys, uh, to, man, to take, that, uh, to take that, that burden seriously. Um, that calling that God's placed on each of your life to be an ambassador for him and take that seriously um, and, and, and take that man, as you go from here. Uh, and I, I mean, I'm believing in the coming weeks, 
the coming months, we're going to see people, uh, as you share your faith, as you share Jesus with people, people that accept it joyfully, lives transformed for the gospel, people getting saved. Uh, Trey told me that just this week, and he and John have been going around telling people about Jesus, and they've already had four people that they've been able to pray with that became Christians. Four people in one week. That's awesome. Um, it's unrelated. Well, not really. Uh, Trey and John, uh, his friend John, they, they led a Bible study last semester uh, in Minders, and they saw several people saved, and, um, and they baptized people there in the dorm bathtubs, and, um, and really exciting stories. They're going to be leading an evangelism workshop for us, uh, not tomorrow, but next Friday and the week after. Friday afternoons at 4 o'clock. Um, it's going to be upstairs, and you'll get more details about that next week. Kind of just talking about real practical stuff they do to share Jesus with people on campus. If you hang out with Trey, he'll tell you. It's not like, it's not rocket science, is it Trey? It's not, and he's, he's not like a magician. He's not tricking people or hypnotizing people. He just shares Jesus. He, he says, hey, here's a Bible verse, and he'll go through it line by line and say, do you want to do, you want to do that? You're like, yeah. You know, do you want to become a Christian? Yeah, I do. Do you want to obey Jesus and meet with me to talk about how you obey Jesus? Yeah, I want to do that, right? So that's his day-to-day. Um, yeah, so uh, I think every single one of you can do that. Every single one of you can be intentional with those people around you and see people coming to Christ like that. And that's what I'm believing for for this semester. Amen? Let's pray. Um, let's bow your heads. Uh, Father God, thank you, thank you, thank you for sending your son. God, that after we as a, as a people, we as mankind rejected you over and over and over again. God, you revealed yourself to us through, through the prophets, through your word, through your law. We rejected it. God, you wrote uh, your own law in our hearts by giving us a conscience. And even, even those of us that, that don't necessarily believe there's a God, and we know what's right and wrong by our consciences, and we violate our conscience again and again and again, hurting ourselves, hurting other people, uh, lying, stealing. God, we've offended you, and, and we've hurt those around us, God. And even though we've rejected you over and over and over again, still you sent your son. Still you sent your son to die for us, to die in our place, so that we can be made right with you. Thank you, Jesus. If there's anyone here tonight that says, Matt, I've never received God's free gift of forgiveness because of what Jesus did on the cross, but I want to tonight. I want to have my sins forgiven. I want to be made right with God. I don't want to receive the punishment that I deserve for my sins, but I want to be forgiven. I want to be free. Uh, I want eternal life through Jesus. If, if that's you, if you never prayed that prayer, you never put your trust in Jesus in that way, but you want to tonight, can you just raise your hand real quick and I'll pray for you? Say, amen, that's me. Thank you, I see that hand. Is there anybody else? Amen, would you pray for me? Or maybe, maybe, maybe you prayed it, that prayer a long time ago, but if you're saying, if I'm honest, I'm far from God. And I'd like to pray to come back home tonight. Thank you, I see that hand. Anybody else? Thank you, I see those. Wait just a second longer. Anybody else? Say, amen, would you pray with me? I need to make it right with God tonight. Let's pray. Father God, you see our hearts. And God, we confess uh, that we've done wrong. Holy Spirit, would you search our hearts? Would you reveal our sinfulness and our deep need for you? God, we need you. Would you please have mercy on us? Forgive us. God, we put our trust completely in Jesus. Jesus, would you save us? Would you create in us a clean heart, a new heart? you fill us with your Holy Spirit and help us to live for you. God, we receive your forgiveness. We receive your eternal life. Um, God, would you turn our life around? Would you break the bondage uh, of these different sins, these different things that we're struggling with? God, would you break those off of our life and help us to walk in freedom of those things? That the freedom, Jesus, that you bought and paid for on the cross would be fully realized in our life. Help us to walk in freedom. Help us to live for you, God, from this day forward. In Jesus' name.
Jesus' name. The rest of us here, God, Holy Spirit, would you help us to be bold ambassadors for you, bold witnesses for you. God, would you fill us with your Holy Spirit, like you talked about in Acts 1-8, so we'd be filled with power to be witnesses, power to be bold witnesses for you wherever we go. God, that in every conversation, God, we'd be thinking in the back of our mind, how can I turn this conversation to spiritual things and share the hope that I found in you? God, to make the most of every opportunity, every relationship, every connection uh, that, 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 where, where you, you connected us, intersected us with another life, that we'd be quick to share our faith, uh, quick to share the hope we found, and you believe in God, that when we do that, Holy Spirit, you'll draw people to yourself. Jesus, as we lift you up, you promise to draw all men into yourself. We believe you to do that, God. God, I pray that in this semester, God, we would see lives transformed for your glory, God. We'd see people come to know you, Jesus. God, help us to be bold witnesses, God. God, help us to be good stewards uh, of what you've entrusted to us, the crop, the vineyard that you've put us in charge of. Help us to be good stewards of it, good stewards of this vineyard of the University of Memphis, good stewards of this city, God, good stewards uh, of, of the relationships and friend circles you've placed us in, God. Use us for, for your kingdom, God. Use us for your glory. Let our lives count. Uh, and your purposes and your plans. Help us to be intentional with everything we do, God. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. So there's pizza, I believe, back there. Joy must be getting it ready. Um, you guys hang out as long as you want. I don't think the weather's supposed to get nasty for a while. So there's 20-something pizzas, so eat all you can eat. And then whatever's left over, take that home in case you're like snowed in and don't have any food for a couple days, okay? If there's someone you've not met or don't know well, I see a couple people that I, I'm going to shake hands with because I don't really know well. Meet them, introduce yourself, uh, love on them, exchange information, invite people into the group meet. Yeah. All right. Love you guys. See you.